for this morning, for the privilege to be here, to listen to your word, to preach your word, to sing praises to you, to fellowship with your people. I pray that you will bless our time together, that you will guide and direct my words, that they will be pleasing to you, be a blessing to your people, and that you will speak to us where we are at. I just ask that believers will be encouraged, sinners will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Bless the Sunday school, bless our time of fellowship during the potluck, and bless us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> All right, uh, we begin with an apology in the sense that Supposed to be speaking on freedom. Remember? And uh, indeed, I do have uh, three more messages on freedom. Freedom from the past, which I started by saying, accept God, forgiveness, forgive others, and forgive yourself. I was supposed to develop that forgive others, and um, I think I have it developed, but I haven't given it. But it was partially given when David MacDonald reminded you of the man, Joseph. Remember Joseph? He occupies more space in the book of Genesis than any other person combined. Remember him? He was sold by his brothers. He was sent to prison by Potiphar. He was forgotten by his friends in prison. And when he became king, he had the chance to revenge, take revenge on all of those people. But do, do you remember the name he gave his first son? Manasseh. Check out the name, what it means. God has taken this thing out of, or the pain out of my remembrance. And so, I mean, there's freedom. When you forgive, you can live your life in liberty. And I'm, I was supposed to also preach on freedom from things which I haven't developed, but it's supposed to be there, and then future freedom. But this is what the Lord is laying in my heart right now, and that's what I want to speak on. Uh, two years ago, almost about this time, I went to work, remember? It was on a June, I believe, on a date, certain date in June, went to work, and then I was just about doing my work like I, I normally do, having performed very well based on the company's evaluation and all of that. And then I was called into the office, and then they gave me a piece of paper, and they said, sign here. And somebody was at the other end from the phone. Say, you have a piece of paper in front of you. Actually, uh, we are terminating your job right now. Wow. Meanwhile, my plan was, I think I'll be finishing with this company. I'll retire here after 21 years. Maybe we still have 15 more years, and then we are done. So I was sent home, but I remember that God is faithful. 
and that I'm a child of God. So the future looked good. In 1987, something much more tragic happened. <coughs> I was in my second to the last year of college when I was dragged home. I lived in the western side. I was schooling in the western side of Nigeria, but my home is in the east. And then a friend of mine traveled all the way from the east to come and get me. And then he, he took me home. He said, uh, your grandmother died. And uh, you know, he just wanted to come for the funeral. Grandmother died. All right, it's fine. I mean, it's not fine that she died, but grandmother died, right? You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> but when I got closer to home, the friend took me to a, a restaurant, made sure that I, you know, we ate very well. And then he said, actually, it's your mother that died. That wasn't expected because my mom was just a little over 40 years. And um, you can imagine that. And it was like a shock. I thought it was a bad joke, but it was a real thing. So I didn't expect that, wasn't planning for that, wasn't looking forward to that. So I was very excited, young man in the faith, and I said, this can't happen. We are going to see the second coming of Lazarus. So I went to tell my dad that I'm going to where they put my mom in the mortuary. I'm going to lay hands on my mom and she's going to come back. In fact, I said you should bring her home. And my dad is older than me, wiser than me, not as excited. He said, well, maybe we can do it where they put her. Let's go and do it there. In Nigerian setting, they do those things or they put people in the mortuary in the hospital. So I went to the hospital and I laid hand on my mom and I prayed, expecting a miracle. I'm sure you've never done something like that, but I did. It didn't happen. And I looked around. Um, I have a five-year-old sister and I have four other brothers, an older sister, my dad is, for the most part, not employed, and I haven't finished college, almost about to finish, and I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking it's not looking very promising. But then I went to a fellowship, and I was pondering on this, God, what are we going to do? What are, what are we going to do? And I was reminded of a song which played over and over and over and over in my mind called Great is Thy Faithfulness. So since then I've clinged on to that song when there are challenges there and then trusting God. And so I'm gonna talk about the faithfulness of God today. Great is thy faithfulness. It's, uh, I think that's the next slide, but let's not sing it yet. We might sing it at the end. 
but the words are good. I like songs for their tunes, but I pay attention to the words of songs to make sure that they lined up with scripture. And uh, this is one of those songs I think you should know. You should sing it. You should uh, at least get familiar with it. Um, the chorus says, or the main one says, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, and thy compassion they fail not, as thou hast been, thou forever would be. And it says, morning by morning new mercies I see. And I like especially the I thought there was a flashlight here. I like the last one that says strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. I believe that because I'm a child of God, tomorrow is going to be better than today. Ultimately, we are going to heaven and we are going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. What could be better? Nothing could be better. So, so the best is yet to come for a child of God. And so I want you to be encouraged because I don't know where you are at right now. And uh, you might be thinking the future doesn't look good. It does because you have the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we are not alone. God's faithfulness and Jeremiah. So I'm going to be speaking, I'm going to, I want you to remember a few names, a few things this morning as we speak. And I'm going to be 15 minutes into potluck. So I'm just warning you in advance. My wife looked at my slide and said, I don't think you will finish. I said, well, this is part of the reason why I don't like slides because sometimes I want to cut it off and just stop. But when you have slides, you like to get to the end. So I said, we will try at least to finish. So I'm just advising you will be 15 minutes into the potluck before I'm done. So, so Jeremiah is the one that made this declaration, great is thy faithfulness. And I want you to know something about this man or the book of Lamentations. Probably one of the books that great expresses more sorrow than any other book in the scriptures. Try reading it. And it means to cry aloud in despair. And the author of the book has written there is Jeremiah, typically known as the weeping prophet. Okay? And the theme of the book is the destruction of Jerusalem. That's what it is. And um, the leaders of the day, they turned against God, and Jerusalem was taken over by false gods and false belief, and Jeremiah watched this, the nation, and a new judgment was coming. He warned them. Nobody listened to him. Babylonians invaded the place, and... Uh, Jeremiah was uh, weeping, crying, didn't know what to do, and uh, he was confused. He was confused because he could see the destruction and he could see the enemy saying, if you have God, where is your God? So he didn't know what to do, and that's where this theme came. 
He says, yet, I like this translation, I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I like the idea of God's mercies beginning afresh. It's almost like daily dose of mercies. So you don't, it doesn't run out. Every morning, God's mercies begins afresh. So it, that was the, the only consolation he could say was, God is faithful. God's mercies never run out, and they are afresh every morning. Now, something else as we think on the faithfulness of God. You see, God is different from us. He's faithful. He keeps his words. We are not always faithful. Sometimes we keep our word. There's one other scripture I'd like you to learn and to remember this. You know, this is one of those scriptures that when I was in college, in the midst of all my difficulties, you know, I, I remember this. Isaiah 55, verse 10 to 11, again from the NLT. It says, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Notice that. It um, says, it is the same with my word. This is God speaking. It is the same with my word. I send it out. And it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to do. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. That's God speaking. So when God speaks, he makes sure that his word does what he says. And that's the idea of God's faithfulness. God keeps his words. Now, the Bible is an interesting book. And uh, do you know that it is in the Bible that we find a donkey speaking? When a donkey spoke. Why did the donkey speak? I'm sure, you know, the modern people will say donkeys don't speak. But God makes donkeys to speak on this occasion. There was a pagan soothsayer by name Balaam. And he was summoned by the king of Moab, a man got called Balak. And he summoned him for a purpose. He wanted him to place a curse on the people of Israel because they were marching on to the promised land. So Balak, son of Zippo, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Boah, who was a Pethor near the Euphrates River in the native land. Balaam said, a people have come out of Egypt. They covered the face of the earth and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I'll be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. 
For I know that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. So, that's Balak believed that Balaam could do this. And I think he could. So what happened? Come on. So God told Balaam in the night that he should not go with messengers across the Israelites because they are blessed. That's what God told him. But God told him, don't go with them. You are not to curse these people for they are blessed. And um, Balaam still wanted to go. After all, there were gifts to be had. There were, you know, prosperity to be given to him by this king. So he wanted to still make the journey. And he climbed his donkey and was heading there. But God sent an angel to block him from doing that. So it's interesting. I like you, I mean, when we finish this, when you have time, read Numbers chapter 21, 22, and 23 and see the progression of the story. And so he was heading there and he climbed his donkey and was moving towards cursing the Israelites. And the donkey moved and then stopped. So the man was wondering, what's happening to the donkey? Why is it not going? So he did this, move, move. The donkey changed and then stopped again. And he wondered, why are you not going? Go, take me to the where I'm supposed to execute the task. And then he hit the donkey again, and the donkey, uh, God caused the donkey to speak. The donkey began to speak. Say, why are you beating me? Haven't I been your donkey all these years and I've been doing a great job? There's an angel in front of us that's about to kill us and I'm trying to run away from being killed. And God opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel. And when he saw the angel, said, the angel said, you have been killed, but for the donkey. We're not supposed to go and curse these people. Anyway, at the end of the day, he still went to Balak and then did all kinds of rituals. You need to read this to find the interesting story for yourself. But ultimately, when he spoke to Balak, he says these words. Oh, I wish I had something that allows me to, you know, that allows me to point. So he says this word to Balak. Rise up, Balak, and listen, hear me, son of Zippo. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not human that he should change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? That's the meaning of God's faithfulness. He means what he says, and he says what he means, and he acts on what he says. When the donkey spoke, and when Balaam spoke, it was to remind us that God is not a man. He's different. And he can follow through on his words. Thank you. Uh, I think it has pointer, right? Uh, So where do I press? Before you go, sit down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. (laughs) All right, good. 
So God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he doesn't change his mind. When he speaks, he acts and follows through on his words. God's faithfulness, God keeps his words. Let's move on. The meaning of God's faithfulness. I just want to be sure from my notes here that we're on track. My wife said, I might not be able to finish, but you said I will, so we will. <laughs> so God doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind. He keeps his word. Um, the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 19 is referred to as the faithful and true one. That's a title given to him. We are not always very good when it comes to keeping our words or promises. In fact, my young eight-year-old is constantly reminding me, but you promise, but you promise. And then I have to remind him, but you promise too. <laughs> no, but you promise to do this, but you promise. So we are not always good in keeping our word. Sometimes we promise to do something, but we fall sick. Not because we don't want to do it, but we fall sick. Sometimes we promise to do something, but there's a hurricane that shows up. And so we can't do it. We are not good sometimes doing that. And sometimes we simply lose interest in doing certain things. But God is the ultimate promise keeper. He speaks his words and he follows through on his words. And so God can be trusted. We can look to him, lean on him, knowing that his faithfulness is unlimited. And Solomon said this at the end of uh, uh, building the temple. He says, not one word that he has promised that he has failed to keep. Let me give you an example of a promise that God made. And then hopefully we can, you know, develop it. Again, he made a specific promise to a specific man at a specific point in time. Remember him? His name is Abraham. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So, he was taken from all of Chaldeans, and then God told him, move to a different place at the age of 75. 
And then God promised to give him a child. I don't want to go into the long story because I want to finish at least before quarter past, according to that clock. And so God told him, I am your shield and your reward. And Abraham said, you haven't given me any child. And so the person that is going to inherit my estate is uh, my servant. God said, no, it's not your servant. I'm going to give you a child. He asked him to go outside and count the stars. And he believed God. And then he moved on. But then we read this. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. So in verse 3, 4, 5, God changed his name from Abraham and called him Abraham the father of many nations. And then verse 15 there, God said, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai, but Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. What do you think Abraham did when God spoke to him then? Read for yourself. Then Abraham bowed to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. <laughs> I'm 99 years old. Sarah is 90, almost. And I'm told that I'm going to have a child. Not just that he thought about that that way. He said, God, I have a suggestion for you. How can I become a father at the age of 100? Right? And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. In other words... God, you can still fulfill your blessing through Ishmael. I'm sure sometimes we have suggestions for God in terms of how he should execute that. But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with you and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. So he tried to help God. That's in, by the way, this is in Genesis 17. What happens next? God gets more specific in Genesis 18. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to men. Verse 9, as where is Sarah your wife? The visitors asked, she's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah 
will have a son. <laughs> Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. And we are reminded again that Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. So, what did Sarah do? She laughed silently. <laughs> oh, read it for yourself. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how can a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? And the Lord asked a rhetorical question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And added, I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. You know, what, one of the things that you know, plagues me and plagues is that we read the Bible as a history book and forget that the history is about real people at a real time in their life with real problems, looking to God and hanging on to God's promises. So she laughed. But you know, the interesting thing about this story is that Abraham and Sarah didn't stop there. See what I mean? Abraham went back and thought about what God had said. And he pondered, nothing is too hard for God. He has kept me all this while. He has made promise, and he can keep his words. How do I know? Romans chapter 4, verse 18 to 22 says that. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about, what, a hundred years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Why? But was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. So my hope for me is that when I doubt, when, I don't, when God says something to me and I doubt that God will grant me the grace to ponder on his greatness. That he's greater than me, he's bigger than me. He can go beyond the boundaries of my reasons. So Abraham chose to believe God. It's interesting that even Sarah did the same. She meditated on God's promise and chose to believe that God is faithful. And by faith, even Sarah, when she was past childbearing age, this is found in Hebrews chapter 11, was enabled to bear children because she considered him. Who? him faithful who had made the promise. He considered that God was faithful. And it happened as just as God had spoken. 
So the Lord kept his words and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And she, Abraham was a hundred years old when Sarah was born, or Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. It's a good name to give a child. To remember that God brings laughter. He keeps his words. God has brought me laughter. Now why am I speaking this? The reason why I'm saying this is because the Bible is full of promises from God for the believer. And we need to grab some of those promises and meditate on them and receive the blessing. Let me give you a few of them. I'm looking at my time, and it's not looking good. God is faithful in keeping every promise he's made, and that's the greatest encouragement that we have, and there are thousands of them. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. That will apply to you. I know that some people will come here, and then at the end of it said, go back to the context. Don't take it out of context. But God's plans for me are good, just as they were good for Jeremiah. And so I stand on that promise. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you future and a hope. It was true for Jeremiah, and it's true for me. God's plans for me are good. In John 10, verse 27 to 30, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father's are one. I see double barrel security. Jesus, you can't snatch I can't be snatched from Jesus' hand. I can't be snatched from the Father's hand. I am double-layer protection as far as being a child of God is concerned. So, gives me eternal life, I will never perish. That's a promise to claim when you doubt your salvation. When, you know, concerns creep into your mind concerning am I really saved or am I not saved, go back to there. That's a good promise to have. What more? I like this one. Because it says, keep your life free from the love of money. Oh, if only I have lots of money, I will be happy. Just need to make more. When my mother died, let me remind you, we had nothing. And I don't know how many of you have slept in the same room that has a barn where there are goats. I have. I don't know how many of you have slept in a place where there's no electricity for months because there's no electricity. All you have is candles and uh, lanterns. I have. So that's my upbringing. So when the Bible says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said this, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. 
It's better to know that the Lord is with me than to feel secure because I have money in my account. This is the security I know. God will not leave me. He will not forsake me. With this, I can march on. And so, he says, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's a promise. When you are in doubt, you don't know where to get help. Remember who? The Lord is your helper. We can keep going. There are so many promises in scriptures. But my time is up. Remember this one? It was read this morning. And this last verse was read. Nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God. So one of the problems that I find is that I don't take, let me speak for me, I don't take enough time to meditate on scriptures, to memorize them, and to make them a part of my life. So that I can think biblical. So that I can think on what God has promised. But I spend more time on the computer checking the news. Trump, Trudeau. And I spend hours and endless hours doing my Snapchat or my... If, I, if only I spent my time on the word of God, absorbing it, making it a part of my life, I will be able to think right and act right. And that's why I'm encouraging you. There are many promises in the word of God that are for you. So that you can enjoy the blessing that only God offers. So many. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Psalm 1 to 1, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From whence come my help. My help comes from the Lord. Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord is my refuge. This is the most comprehensive insurance policy that you can have in this life. It's there. Psalm 139, I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. Isaiah 40 and so forth and so on. You can see that there are so many promises that God has put in the world for us to take in. Think biblical and live right. Because God is faithful to his word. And friends, that's what I wanted to expose you to this morning. That we need to get back to the word. Like Jeremiah says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. They are fresh every morning. I'm just one minute shy. Just one minute. I trust that you've been blessed. And encourage. I want you to look up to the God that can meet all needs, including yours. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for the privilege to look at it together. I pray you bless us. We're about to have potluck. I pray you bless the meal and our time of fellowship together. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.
Amen.